Hello from the 2018 Equal Justice Conference in San Diego, California. I'm Kimberly Sanchez. I'm Michael Hoffrichter. Pablo Almaguer. Jeff Baker. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. for joining us on the road. I've got this amazing panel in front of me right now. We're going to talk a little bit about the workshop that you just provided at the Equal Justice Conference called The Disaster is Gone, Strategies for Pro Bono Engagement During the Response and Recovery Process. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, But first, why don't you guys introduce yourselves and we'll start with you. I'm Michael Hoffrichter. I'm the Director of Operations for Houston Volunteer Lawyers. We're the pro bono arm of the Houston Bar Association. So you're wrangling the volunteers. We're wrangling the volunteers and placing them with cases. And I'm Pablo Almaguer. I'm the uh, private attorney involvement group coordinator, which is like the pro bono bar relations director for TRLA, the largest legal aid organization in Texas. And TRLA stands Texas Rio Grande Legal Aid. I'm sorry. No, no, everybody, no, I thought everybody would know that. Yeah. <laughs> That's who we are in Texas. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Jeff. Good. And I am Jeff Baker. I'm Associate Clinical Professor of Law and Director of Clinical Education at Pepperdine University School of Law in Los Angeles County, California. Okay. So interesting panel, some very different perspectives. So let's talk a little bit about why this um, workshop is entitled the way that it is and how we're responding to keeping our volunteers and why volunteers are really important in disasters. Because, man, there have been so many disasters, including that Pelican issue in Pepperdine. (laughs) Right. The Pelican disaster. It's important. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to start with Michael. And uh, because I think that your organization, well, both of your organizations, actually, Pablo and Michael, really coordinating volunteers. So let's talk about why volunteers are so important in disasters. And remember, our um, audience is lawyers who always want to give back. Sure. So the big thing about being there in a, in a disaster is that volunteers let us magnify that effect, right? We've got a handful of staff attorneys, but if we compare one staff attorney with three or four volunteer attorneys at a shelter, at a disaster recovery center, we can make a, a much bigger impact and help a lot more people than just with our own staff. Uh, and frankly, after Hurricane Harvey, we had a lot of attorneys who couldn't leave their house. And so we were dependent on volunteers for being able to, to fill in and make that connection. Yeah, especially in disaster assistance issues or in those cases, there is a wiping out, if you will, of communities. And our clients, low-income clients, are severely affected. But for us, uh, legal services or somebody uh, can provide f- free legal services to them, there is no option for them. And quality of life can really be affected uh, locally, county, statewide. And so our volunteers will come in uh, and help us in that meet that need. Otherwise, I think the ratio is like one legal aid attorney for every 18,000 potential eligible client in our service area. We can't service you know, everybody that way. So our pro bono volunteers help us close that gap a bit. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's really important to remember how much that can be magnified just by the use of like some, some small time commitment by a volunteer. And so you two are from Texas, 
But Jeff is from California. So Jeff, what are you doing here? Oh, what am I doing here? Um, so I, I am, uh, I'm from Mississippi. Uh, yeah, you can hear my accent coming through just a little bit. It ramps up when I talk to Southerners, and I've been talking to Southerners most of the day, so it, it comes back. I, when I was a young lawyer um, in Mississippi at my firm in Jackson, uh, we lived through Hurricane Katrina, and I was uh, got my first taste of doing disaster relief as a volunteer lawyer and and was terrified because I was a big firm tort litigator, and here I was trying to handle a pro bono landlord-tenant uh, action and just, you know, was scared. Like, you know, I got one good solid CLE hour and then I was out into the field and, and that has stuck with me about how sort of limited and, uh, and unprepared I felt, but also felt this incredible calling to, to get involved in that. And so now fast forward several years, my job is to train law students, how to practice law through our legal clinics at Pepperdine. And, and so I, I approached this sort of with three three overlapping motivations. One is the university's, the law school's commitment to service, as, as most law school clinics are. We have a public interest, social justice mission, so we're always trying to, uh, you know, serve communities. The second is to teach law students how to practice law uh, through practice. That's what cl- clinics do. But then third, I really felt like it was important to help law students see that they can do it, because I feel like so many lawyers starting as law students want to do it, but two things keep them uh, down from that. The, uh, first is just feeling like they don't have time or they just can't find the ways to do it or they just don't have the resources to, to, to incorporate this into their practice. But two, uh, is just a real sense of insecurity that they can do it. Uh, and one of the things I just said in our panel, which has come home to me this last semester, is that a lawyer's ability to help a client process a problem is far more valuable than a lawyer's specific expertise or experience in a particular practice area. So, I mean, learning FEMA appeals is not is not horribly complicated work, but what the great value we bring is is helping a client walk through the process and understanding just how to lawyer a, a case. And so, what I hoped to do was inculcate in my students a sense of the their potential that they can do it, so that. In, in the next 30 years of their career, they'll be able to do it mm-hmm. and they'll be confident enough to step in to do it. Yeah, so let's talk about um, how this is basically a, a, a group effort and um, it's not just lawyers, but also law students and any other really, I guess, volunteer that would be interested in assisting in disaster relief. But so let's talk about what disaster relief is to the legal community. Like, what does that mean for legal aid clients and what are we looking for when we talk about disaster relief? Volunteers. So I think there's a couple things. The first is the immediate aftermath. You've got people in shelters who are trying to figure out what's the next step they lost their house, they lost their documents, they lost uh, access to whatever they had before. Uh, and they may not know how long they're displaced. And so there's, there's that interactions with FEMA. As you step back a little bit further, then you've got some more of your traditional uh, legal aid issues. You've got your landlord-tenant claims against inhabita- uh, unhabitability in the apartment complex. You've got issues about... Uh, getting your security deposit back. You've got issues about not having your title to the property in your name, so FEMA's going to give you issues about your claim. So between all of that, uh, it, it, it's both the, the new things, the FEMA things, but it's a lot of what we do regularly. And how do we keep our... Vol- like, 
what do we do when we say to a, we say to a lawyer, oh, they're excited, they want to help, they don't know a thing about FEMA? That, that's, um, you know, a misconception sometimes about you know, not having to know anything about FEMA and what you can do. I mean, let me tell you, there are stages to a response to disaster assistance. The immediate one, which everybody knows about, what can I do now? And, you know, a shelter, you know, going somewhere for advice clinic for attorneys. That's immediate. That's great. It's always there. The difficulty for many of us is past that, two, three, four months into it. Many folks don't know. Uh, there's a leveraging of federal funds that comes into the community to help you recover. That's FEMA, those benefits that come through there. I mean, that, that's something that the federal government provides, and we need a connection between being able to get those benefits, you know, and going through the application of the bureaucracy that FEMA is. Those are FEMA appeals, that you call. You have a FEMA application for benefits, then the appeal of that application needs a certain amount of advocacy. There's a higher rate of success, and Michael and uh, Professor Baker here can tell you about that. There's a higher success of um, success rate if you have an attorney involved. And that's where I think we've been getting a few more people involved because we demystify the process. This is an appeal, and it's not a court of appeals appeal with table of contents, citation. It is a true advocacy. You take the facts, you apply them, and I think any attorney can do that and should be able to do that and help us out. Then there's other long-term needs later on, the consumer bankruptcy matters that remain and linger that a volunteer can help out with. So anywhere in that spectrum, I think a volunteer can help out in any way. And I, I think Jeff was uh, very poignant when he talked about this at the panel as well, is all of a sudden a disaster occurs. You guys are in Texas, Hurricane Harvey, I mean, it you know blew up the legal aid. Um, <clears throat> and there was all kinds of issues that were, were going on. I mean, I'm from Florida, and when Hurricane Irma hit, one of my offices flooded entirely, and we were without service for a, a little while too. Um, so, but... There are the immediate the immediate issues that we need to deal with, and I think that you know, Jeff, your addition to the panel is just very interesting and unique in the way that you were able to sort of leverage your students. Sure, and at the law school, what we were at Pepperdine, what we were able to do was launch the disaster relief clinic, uh, and the clinic was first a pro bono program. Uh, and then it turned into a clinic uh, course where the students were actually enrolled in the course and practicing law under our supervision. Um, but uh, to your point, um, how how we were able to... What was your point? I'm sorry, I lost my... I, <laughs> lost my to, I, was distracting I, I wanted you to tell your story because oh, it's sure. unique so and let, Yeah, let's talk about... Uh, so, so at Pepperdine, we, we decided... When the hurricanes were approaching Texas and, and hit and we knew it was going to be a major disaster... Um, I was deeply motivated by that because of my personal experience with uh, Katrina and living in the South and having to endure lots of storms. And I reached out to my administration at the law school and and, and clinical faculty, and, and, and we said, can we do something? Uh, may I have your go-ahead to just pursue it? So, I, so they said, yes, of course, go ahead. That's part of the ethos of our school. We want to, we want to serve and reach out in, in every way that we can. But the next step became, how do we reach out and how do we find out who's doing it and what they need, especially in the, in the middle of the disaster? And so uh, I just uh, reached out to people I knew, people uh, and in New Orleans who and had been you, through this. And how did you get your students like involved in that. Sure. Well, first I needed to find the partners and 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 I want to I want to touch on a point that Pablo just made is that disasters have um stages, right? And in, when you're first reaching out to folks, if you want to be involved in the first week or two, it requires a little patience because the people going through the disaster may not know what they need. Right. No, a, we see a, that with all a, legal aid clients. Right. right. With, with the first uh, week but or two. But you're in California. Right. And your students are doing helping in 
Texas. You're giving help in Texas. So the way so that, the, um, that how do so we, we had there? a process of uh, of a lot of conversations over time in the in the in the beginning processes of the disaster, which were what do you need and what can we do? And I think to your question directly, those are really the two most important questions that anybody can ask. One, what do I have the capacity to do? But more importantly, to the person on the ground, what do you need? Because it, it, it can be more burden than benefit to come in and just say, here's what I'm going to do for you. So once we decided on our scope of practice with Pablo and with our other partners at, at, at Lone Star Legal Aid, um, we decided on FEMA appeals. And FEMA appeals is a very discreet, very... So you're uh, in California. You're right. going to do FEMA appeals for those in Texas. In Texas, right. And That's if, incredible. And so, and then I, it's easy to pitch to the students because the students were fired up and ready to go. And th- and they're hungry to do work, right? And the FEMA appeals were custom made for this, for this population because it's a discreet practice area that had an important need. You and don't have to go to court. No, and it's you can do everything, almost everything uh, remotely. We did it by, we did it through creative ways of fax and mail and email and, and telephone calls. And then with our partners on the ground, they were vetting cases and sending cases to us. And so we were able to do that in Los Angeles uh, for folks in Texas, which then equipped us to address our own natural disaster, which was the wildfires in our backyard. That's right. Okay. So you are like the quintessential volunteer because you had a whole bunch of army of volunteers. Right. And we're all motivated to, help each other out in these disaster thing in these disasters so um, I think we have just one I want I want to ask one more question and I want a really quick answer what do you tell a private bar when you ask them to help out in a disaster give your like give your like 30 second pitch okay so I think we tell the private bar we need your help give us a few minutes to figure out what we need your help with <laughs> I think that's legitimate. Go, Pablo. I think you'd be surprised. We have a unique set of skills. I don't want to sound like Liam Liam Nielsen here. What's his name? I got him wrong already. Anyway, those (laughs) sets of skills are great. Your attorney's there. Um, And I think it's great because everybody wants to do something and help out with, and we have something unique we can provide. So, right. And we provide training, and you don't need to be an expert. Right. Exactly. And you can give back. Right. Is that right? All right. So thanks so much, boys. It's been wonderful. Give me your contact information or give the listeners your contact information so they can contact you and ask you about all of the cool stuff you're doing in disaster. Sure. So my name is Michael Hoffrichter. My last name is H-O-F-R-I-C-H-T-E-R. You need to know that because my email is michael.hoffrichter at hvlp.org. I am Pablo Almaguer, and the best way to do this is until you go to our website for work, and you can find a directory there, www.trla.org, and look for me there. And I am Jeff Baker. It's easy, jeff.baker at pepperdine.edu. So we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank our guests for joining us. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please find and rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.